Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another post-game recap here in Los Angeles. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcast, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So tonight's episode will consist of both L.A. games, the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets, and then the Lakers and the Indiana Pacers. I did not get to watch too much of the Laker game, so I'll only be talking about the parts that I did watch. By the way, I got a new light for the live, so those of you that are on the YouTube right now, comment what you think about the light. My lighting, does it look better? Does it look good? I can adjust it, you know, as much as I want, so... Anyways, let's get into the games tonight. I haven't been live for two weeks, so it's good to be back. Uh, remember to keep liking videos, keep commenting on videos, the algorithms. Uh, by the way, check out my latest Time Machine video if you haven't yet and if you're into that stuff. Episode number four, Pistol Pete Maravich's first game of his NBA career, as well as Oscar Robertson's first game of his Bucks career. And Kareem was amazing in that video. Uh, Lou Hudson was amazing in that video. So, by the way, shout out to the guys in the chat right now saying the light looks good appreciate you guys also my space every wednesday today was fantastic we had some really good speakers talking about the game every single wednesday from 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time for a couple of hours we go on there talk some hoops whether it's current or old school you can come talk and have your say on whatever you want to talk about hoops related every wednesdays on my twitter and then I have an upcoming episode coming out. By the way, the Rams game I went to, check out that vlog. It was sick. It was one of the best sporting events I had ever been to. And if you want to ask me questions about the Rams game after this live, stick around and you can. But overall, make sure you check out. Up upcoming tomorrow, I have a video coming. It's the first part. I know I've been making trailers of it and teasers of it. But what went wrong with the Mellow Era Knicks? The first part, just the introduction of Fabian. You should you should uh, all go subscribe to him and his YouTube channel and follow him on Twitter. The introduction to him, us as fans, and then the Ewing years dying down before we start getting to the terrible, terrible, dreaded Isaiah Thomas years and the mid-2000s Knicks in the second part before I'd say I, around part three we'll get into the mellow years. So that'll be around 30 minutes. But let's get into the games tonight. The Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. The Clippers now, you know, we're starting one of our, basically a road trip that could make or break our season. We got around seven, I think it's either seven or eight games consecutive on the road. You know, I have called out in many lives this season that we have had a favorable schedule to start the season in terms of home games. And we are going to be tested. And with the news recently coming out that Paul George's uh, ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow is not... You know, it's doing basically worse than initially diagnosed. We don't know if he's going to get surgery yet. And if he does get surgery, that would shut him out for the rest of the season. 
or if he's going to continue playing or going to try to come back this season. And that's huge because it, it when it comes to Kawhi Leonard, I don't think he's going to come back at all if Paul's not coming back. And the longer this season has gone on and the more that time goes, I'm starting to think that we could just chalk this season up and it's going to be just we, we shut down Paul and Kawhi kind of soon. I don't think we'll announce it for multiple reasons. One, I think that they want to keep everybody invested and keep everybody thinking that we're a threat and keep the optimism in the organization and amongst the fans high. And when it comes to fans, keeping them at games. Edward uh, in the space made a good point today about, you know, if they say Paul George is shut shut down for the season, maybe some fans lose hope, think that we're just going to call it quits and don't go to the games. So we are in a very crucial stretch right now. No Nico Batum or Marcus Morris Sr. also tonight. Nico going into health and safety protocols for the second time this season, which is just terrible. He already had an ankle injury as well. It's been really frustrating this season not having Nico Batum at full strength, especially with all the injuries to our wings. And then Marcus Morris Sr. out tonight for personal reasons, whatever that may be. I hope Sr.'s okay for the next game, and I hope everything's okay with him personally. But we've he's been playing great basketball lately, and it hurts to have our two best wings out already and then our two next best wings out. But as very, very familiar we are with our Ty Lue Clippers as fans, we should not expect us to roll over, and that's exactly what we did not do tonight. The Clippers, again, you know, the first couple of minutes of the game, Jokic was showing off his class, basically showing everybody, like, look, I'm the best player on the court, and we couldn't do much about it. We started out Serge Ibaka and Ivica Zubat, so more of like a two-big lineup, but obviously it works out for the spacing purposes better than most because Serge can shoot the three or is a threat to shoot the three. We were getting torched up, though, in the beginning. And Jokic was kind of all over the game. You know, he attracts so much attention. He can score one-on-one in the post. He can knock down threes. You know, he just makes the right pass every time. He's always looking for cutters. And the Nuggets have some of the best off-ball movement in the league because Jokic is so alert looking for cutters. And we were down like 9-3 in the beginning before we called a timeout. You know, I also thought it was interesting what we did in terms of our defensive strategy to start the game. Ivica Zubats did not guard Jokic. He guarded Aaron Gordon, and Serge Ibaka guarded Nikola Jokic. And a couple of times they exploited us in the beginning of that game because Zubats was guarding Gordon, and he wasn't really respecting his jump shot. So he was kind of sagging in and trying to pack the paint. And you know Jokic. He makes the right pass. And today Aaron Gordon uh, had it going from deep and had it going shooting the ball. And you are going to hear more about that as the live continues or as the episode continues but Aaron Gordon was hitting his shots I will say though the Clippers did a good job responding to that initial charge and Zoo was fantastic from start to finish Ivica Zubats had a career high if I'm not mistaken tonight I believe he did with 32 points and 10 rebounds on 15 of 19 shooting I mean that is as efficient as it gets he was fantastic. If anything, I think there were a couple of times where we, in the second half in particular, where we uh, Zubats was available on a switch and we just did not get him the ball enough. But I thought that in the first half, he had a couple of, in the first quarter especially, he had a couple of nice jump hooks over Jokic. And we know he's, he's got a nice, solid right-handed jump hook that he doesn't go to enough. Tonight he was going to it a lot more. And I thought that we responded well with our defense. I thought that 
We were on our P's and Q's. We knew who to go over screens on. We knew who to go over under screens on. We knew who to switch. Uh, we were working hard at getting over the screens, especially even guys like Reggie Jackson. I thought that overall our defense was good, and the Nuggets, every time they took a bad shot, which in, in today's NBA, a lot of teams take bad shots frequently, and the Nuggets are no different. And once they started missing shots, we started hitting our shots. And, you know, Serge hit a couple of deep ones early. He was one of three for three overall, three of six from the field, only played 14 minutes, but he did shoot 50%, so he did contribute a little bit in the beginning. I remember his three as well. Uh, kind of from the top of the keys, slightly to the left in the first quarter. And then, you know, Reggie Jackson, I thought, really played fantastic all game long. He did get a little three happy. 11 of his 22 shots in the game were threes, and he only made three of them. So, you know, I thought he settled a little bit too much, and that ended up being one of the reasons that we narrowly lost the game. But Reggie Jackson was one of the best players tonight. You know, he made his open threes. Or he made two open threes in the first half, and he had an amazing step back three, or like between the legs, just size up into a three over, I forget who, from the Nuggets. But now that I'm looking at the stats, I'm realizing that he made those three threes in the first half, and then he did not make a three for the rest of the game. So that definitely came back and hurt us, even though I'm not putting all this, all the blame on Reggie Jackson, of course. But I thought that the bench also, I was a little bit worried about them with without Marcus Morris and without. Nico Batum, but having guys like Isaiah Hartenstein and Luke Kennard, the lefty white boys, as I call them, back into the lineup was so huge, and they really made a solid impact tonight. You know, I think Luke Kennard was still getting his legs underneath him. He, he, he A lot of his shots were short, and that's always a sign of legs, but he is a threat. He still created good looks for us. He made only one three in the game. He was one of six from deep. But that three he made was big, and it was late in the game. But I liked seeing him back on the court. He definitely just adds attention uh, for teams' defenses to respect outside. And obviously, coming off screens in the pick and roll, you've got to step up on him because he'll just waltz into a floater or a mid-range. Isaiah Hardenstein, you know, he only played 13 minutes. I think he's still on a minutes restriction to some extent. Or maybe Ty just didn't want to go with him enough. But he had four points, three rebounds, and three assists, a steal and a block, and he was plus 12 in those 13 minutes. So looking back, you know, I think Zubas was just having a career night, and we went to a small ball lineup that ended up doing okay. But I thought that maybe looking back in hindsight, Isaiah could have gotten more minutes because he was doing a great job as doing what he always does, you know, playing hard defense, uh, not being afraid to guard anyone. If he needs to switch out on the perimeter, he does that. If he has to contest somebody at the rim, he does that. He makes really good reads and passes on those pick and rolls. You know, when Reggie gets blitzed or they throw two at Reggie, head, hard hedge, you know, the short roll of, of Isaiah Hartenstein, he makes good reads. And he was finding guys. He found Brandon Boston Jr. for a three. I think it was Terrence Mann he may have found for a cut or something. But he had three assists in those 14 minutes. And I thought the Clippers did a really good job in that first half, and especially in the defensive end in that second quarter, only allowing 18 points. We outscored the Nuggets 34-18 in the second quarter to take a 12-point lead into the half. And one of the reasons that we did take a 12-point lead in the half is because we kept going at Nikola Jokic in pick and rolls, uh, especially Reggie Jackson, and it was getting us a lot of good looks. One time he threw the ball over the top to Zoo for a dunk, or for a jump hook, I'm sorry, right, around, right outside the key. You know, Jokic, it's hard stunting and recovering He's not the fastest guy in the world. And then when he got Jokic on a switch, I believe, Reggie got to the rim and did a good job of getting by him and hitting floaters all night. He All night he he gave Jokic a hard time in that pick and roll. And he had five straight points to end that, end that first half, Reggie Jackson. 
Second half, though, slightly different story. And the Denver Nuggets, you got to give them credit. And by the way, a shout-out to Justice Winslow as well. I thought he made a very good impact in that first half. Only 14 minutes. He was one of one, though. He had 6.6 rebounds and three assists. And he got in foul trouble. He had five fouls. But I thought he was very lively on defense, and he was attacking and doing some good things for us. But second half was a big difference. And I think it was honestly, you know, a lot of Clipper fans – might look at what we did wrong, but I think a large reason was the Denver Nuggets just turned up the gas defensively. They were a lot tighter off the ball. They weren't letting guys just waltz to the basket or back cut to the basket. They got a couple of steals off of that. I thought that they were sharper getting over screens, which, you know, the reason part of the reason why Jokic was getting put on an island and kind of just exploited in that pick and roll in that first half was because the the guards weren't doing a good enough job getting over those screens. So Jokic was basically guarding two players at once, guarding the big man and the ball handler. And an adjustment I noticed that Malone made was as the half went on, and maybe he did it in the beginning of the half, but I know as the half went on, he moved Jokic onto Terrence Mann because he knew that Reggie Jackson wanted to put Jokic in pick and roll with Zoo, and Terrence Mann, even though he's pretty good in the short roll, he is not your ideal pick and roll man with Reggie. You know, you like typically a big roll into the basket. So that was the adjustment that Malone made, and it worked out pretty well. And I thought that their intensity was better and their their switching was sharper. And you started seeing them score. I mean, Aaron Gordon was scoring a lot of points. Nikola Jokic was just having a great night. I even thought Jokic despite the incredible game that he had, 49 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists, like basically a 50-point triple-double, was just unbelievable. I thought even so, he could have had 55 points because there were a couple times where I really questioned the Nuggets player's IQ. You know, he's got a smaller guy on a switch. Like after Zoo, when Zoo rested in that second half, we had a small ball lineup, and credit to our wings, they did a good job, like Amir Coffey, Terrence Mann, of trying to fight uh, Jokic in that post. But Jokic is trying to fight for position, and you got guards just dribbling at the behind the three-point line, not trying to get in positions to work the ball into their best player, just like trying to go at him. And, you know, this is a game where Jokic was not getting to take plays off on defense. This is a game where the Clippers are putting him in pick and roll. He's having to work hard on both ends. So if Jokic is fighting that hard for position and you got to switch and you're not even looking at him, that is poor basketball IQ. I don't care that he's gotten the ball every time down. If he's fighting for the position, it's not like he's doing a Rudy Escar Gobert where he's just not even, you know, like in the playoffs last year where he gets a smaller guy on a switch and he's not even trying to go at him. Jokic is a po- actually a great post-up player. He was trying to get the ball and these guys were looking him off. Will Barton's of the world, Monty Morris. So that's a win for the defense. And despite the fact that they were coming back, I thought that they could have ended the game in regulation if they had taken advantage of those moments. But third quarter, you know, the the Nuggets won it 34-22. They made their mark. They were creating turnovers. And I thought that we just couldn't score. And that's partially because we just don't have that much firepower. I also think that we went away from the Jokic pick and roll. Even if he, in that third quarter, I should say, even if Jokic is guarding Terrence Mann or somebody else, we should still put him in that action because it makes him work and it was what was working. I think that we went away from it too much and it was leading to really tough contested jumpers late in the shot clock. And again, as I said, you have to credit the Nuggets defense for turning up the screws a bit. But, you know, it was Reggie Jackson. I forget who else in that first unit. We were just taking some really tough shots. You know, Amir Coffey, he he actually shot three of six from the field and two of five from three. So he overall had an efficient night. But I don't know. It just didn't feel like he made too many big shots tonight. But 
Let's go to the fourth quarter. You know, the, the Nuggets tied the game going into the fourth, which made things extremely interesting. And overall, it was back and forth. Nuggets took the lead. You know, Aaron Gordon had some really nice finishes. And he shot the ball extremely well from deep. I mean, four of seven from three, including a really big one late. But Zoo was just keeping us in it as well. You know, jump hooks, him and Reggie in a couple pick and rolls. Reggie threw a really nice behind-the-back bounce pass the middle of the key to, to Zubats for a jump hook. And then he had some really nice tip-ins as well. He just had a very solid game overall, Vitsa Zubats. And then what gave us the lead back when I thought we were going to win the game was Brandon Boston Jr. hitting two threes, one from the left corner, one a pull-up in transition. Terrence Mann, you know, started to play well as well. You know, his energy was great. And Luke Kennard, he hit one, as I said earlier, he hit one three in the game, and it came in the fourth quarter late from the left corner. I really thought we were going to go on to win, and I think we made a couple of crucial mistakes. And that was when the Nuggets came out of that timeout, and I think this is the sequence that actually killed our killed our chances of winning right here or killed the game off for us where we really blew it. And that was when we were up around, I think it was, you know, eight points. And Monty Morris had an and one. But it was really not that possession. It was the possession in which Nikola Jokic got an offensive rebound on a miss. I actually think that was in the overtime. That was in the overtime. My bad, guys. I'm sorry. So staying with the fourth quarter, the Clippers had an eight-point lead, you know, with 3-12 to go. Like, looking back now, it, 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 I, I thought for a second, like, we, we shouldn't have won, you know, necessarily. Like, even though we were winning for a bit, it's still the Nuggets with Jokic. They still should win the game. But, man, looking at it now, we were up 10, eight points. You know, 108 to 100. We were up 108 to 100 with four minutes. I'm sorry, 312 to go. Monty Morris hits an end one. Terrence Mann misses a 26-foot step back. I'd have to look back at the shot clock to see, you know, where the clock was there and if that was a good shot or not. But we couldn't stop fouling Jokic too towards the end. He was starting to get every call and it was very hard to guard him. And he made it close. And eventually, it was a kind of the free throw game back and forth, back and forth. And, yeah, Jokic tied the game. Reggie gave us the lead on the floater. And then Will Barton tied the game. And then, yeah, we went to overtime. By the way, though, Terrence Mann, you know, we had a chance in that last possession in the fourth quarter to potentially win the game. And Terrence Mann had a wide open three and he passed it up and did not have shot clock recognition. And I saw Terrence after the, like, when the, when the timeout happened, he was mad at himself. He was beating himself up about it. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I appreciate that. Like, you know, he took it hard and he's hard on himself because he really wants to win and he wants to make the plays for the team. So, you know, I can live with it. I can live with Terrence's mistakes. I always can because he, he plays so hard. But overtime. You know, I thought we actually did a good job of regaining some momentum despite the fact that the Nuggets came back. You know, Terrence Mann hit a pull-up three. And then when Ivica Zubats had that alley-oop from Reggie Jackson, I really thought that we were going to, you know, take it home. Brandon Boston Jr. had a big shot as well on a pull-up. And I really thought we had it, but this is where it was. Monty Morris... 
you know, missed a a three ball. Jokic got the rebound, put it in with a minute 30. You know, this this made it a one-point game, 123-122. And then Reggie Jackson tried to put Jokic in the pick and roll with Terrence Mann, and he kind of telegraphed the pass and kind of tried to make the pocket pass, and Jokic read it. You know, Jokic was ready for it. He got his hand on it, and he went out and scored the other way. That gave the Nuggets the lead. We called timeout. We did end up taking the lead, and then Jokic got fouled on the end one, and that was controversial where Zoo was trying to deny him the ball, and Jokic just kind of like a like a defensive tackle just kind of grabbed his back and just pushed him out of the way, got the ball in the cut, dove to the rim, and got an end one. And we still ended up tying the game with Ivica Zubats, but then we got burned. We double-teamed Jokic, and it was an incredible LeBron-like cross-court pass to the left corner for a wide-open Aaron Gordon three. And Aaron Gordon won the Nuggets the game. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, the best player was on the Nuggets, and he absolutely killed us. It was it was an incredible performance by him. As I said earlier, I read the stat line, 49, 14, and 10. And, you know, Jokic is definitely one of the – he would be in the MVP conversation if his team was doing better. He's getting the Steph treatment from last year where he's having an MVP season as well as anyone really. But his team is just – without Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., they're just a fringe playoff team, you know. Maybe he'll finish right above the plan. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi and all these injuries the Clippers have had uh, definitely makes it easier for him. But Jokic had 16 free throws, which was more than the entire Clipper team. And you know what? I think the refs gave him some calls, but I do think we weren't aggressive enough going all the way to the basket. We really weren't. I don't think we uh, deserved more free throws than we got particularly. Jokic, though, 16 from or 14 of 16 from the line, he knocked him down. And that's also what makes him one of the best players in the league and one of the best bigs. You know, one of the best centers, if in my opinion, the best center since Shaquille O'Neal is he makes his free throws. You know, he makes his free throws. So 16 of 25, 64% from the field for him. He was fantastic. Aaron Gordon also had a great night. 28 points on 10 of 16 from the field and 4 of 7 from 3. So he was good. And then Jeff Green, he chipped in with 12. Former Clipper Jeff Green in that 2016 season. 12 points, 4 of 9 from the field, and 2 of 5 from 3. So he did his thing as well. And then Monty Morris, 19 points. He did not make a 3. He was 0 of 4 from deep, but he was 9 of 20 from the field. And that's 19 points on nine, and with 9 rebounds and 9 assists to go with it. And 2 steals and 0 turnovers. So really solid overall performance from Monty Morris. Zubats, his career night is a little bit spoiled. 32 points and 10 rebounds. Reggie Jackson, 28 points, 12 assists. He really had some great moments against Jokic, but there was one decision he made that was poor. He decided to have, he had Jokic on him. He decided to take a pull-up three, contested, and we got scored on on the other end. I think that was part of the eight points uh, when we were up by eight points. But those are the low IQ decisions. You know, Reggie Jackson, just because he had 28 points, does not get off scratch-free with this game. You know, and I don't blame it on solely one guy. I think that, you know, Terrence, you know, he had a chance at the end, did not shoot that shot. But it is what it is, right? We lost. We got to move on to the next. Clippers dropped to 22 and 24. Nuggets moved to 23 and 20. And the Clippers, we'll see who we got next. But it is going to be a grind from here on out. And this road trip is going to be tough. And that was a tough game to blow. You know, it's it kind of reminds me of that game the other night against the... against the Spurs where we were there and we probably should have had the game 
But it is what it is, right? Got to move on to the next. Got to work with what you have. Hopefully, we'll have Nico and Marcus Morris Sr. back for those. But I want to briefly talk about the Lakers before we go into the live subscribers. The Lakers, man. I turned on the game for a little bit in the beginning of it. They were actually playing pretty well. LeBron was getting to the rim with ease. You know, Malik Monk was hitting threes in transition, which he's been doing all season. Four of six from the field. He only shot six shots. That's unbelievable. I feel like I saw half of them, and I didn't even watch half the game. Ten points for him. Taylor Horton Tucker, he was playing like THT Dynamite today. Not Taylor Horton Turnover. 20 points for him. Seven assists. Nine of 14 from the field. Uh, a couple of uh, – one time, one of the shots I saw him hit was a one-legged fade, catching the ball in the middle of the key and fading away. He was pretty good. But – I really don't know where the Lakers lost this. I'm looking at the fourth quarter stats, and I see that they had a lead going into the fourth quarter by four points, and they lost the fourth quarter by 11. So that's definitely going to be one to watch. When I turned it on, I saw a terrible defensive miscommunication by Carmelo Anthony. Not even a miscommunication, just like a brain fart where he got switched on to Karis LeVert. LeBron and THT, I believe, were switching their matchups on the strong side of the court, and Melo just walks away from Karis LeVert as he shoots a three. And then LeBron comes back the other way and shoots a 30-footer and just breaks it off the glass. So that was just weird. You know, the, the Pacers had their three players tonight, the three players that I said they got to be healthy if the Pacers want to make uh, a play-in spot, which right now it's just not looking like it, and it looks like they're going to go into tank mode too with this Miles Turner news. So I was very wrong about the Pacers, guys. They're 4-17 and 17 on the road. They've been injured. They do not have very good depth at all. Like some of these players I just don't know very well. We obviously know Jeremy Lamb and Chris Duarte went to Oregon, but, you know, Lance Stevenson, I love the guy getting picked off, you know, just out of out free agency. And then Goga and Brissett. And, you know, Justin Holiday, like, these players just average to me. Torrey Craig starting, like, these guys are just average. You know, they don't have much depth. And without TJ Warren, when when either Brogdon, Sabonis, or Levert miss games, they, they are, you know, down bad. And they haven't been able to do that. And they also have lost a lot of close games. Their record could still be a lot better than it is. They've lost a lot of close games. I did not think the Pacers would be this much better than them. I didn't think the Wizards would be this much better than them, but I probably should have. Because the, the Wizards trading Westbrook got him some depth, which the Pacers lack. And I, I can't believe I didn't have the Cavs being better than them, but the Cavs just came out of nowhere. Uh, I know Garland was improving. Uh, I underestimated Jared Allen being on that team. I kind of forgot about that. But I thought they were too big. I, you know, when I saw Laurie Markin and I was like, yeah, like, nah. But the way that they've used him, and also he's just been one of the only players, probably the only player I've seen this season that's just been able to get away with hand-checking all year. But that's a story for another day. And Mobley's fantastic. One of my favorite rookies in a long time. But the Pacers won the game tonight. And, you know, I'm looking at the box score. LeBron, again, shoots 50%. But I'm not going to look at LeBron's box score to tell me the, the story of the game. That's what casuals do. That's what box score watchers do. And LeBron has the worst plus minus of any player on the on the court tonight. Minus 20. And that doesn't mean he played badly either. But that's what I'm saying. Watch the game, not the box score. I didn't get to watch this game. So I'm not going to fully speak on what happened. You know, 30 points, 12 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals for Braun. If you guys knew, know what happened, throw some comments in there. I know there's Laker fans in here that watched the game tonight. But, you know, Dwight Howard, only 13 minutes. I did see a little bit of a Melo at the 5 lineup, LeBron at the 5 lineup. Just not very strong. You know, but what options does he have? You know, he doesn't want to play DeAndre Jordan. Dwight, you know, only 13 minutes, 1 of 1. 
five points. Westbrook, another terrible shooting night. 14 points on five of 17. And weirdly, he was four of six from three. But he didn't get to the line once. And that's just not acceptable. He needs to be able to get to the line. He was one of 11 from two. And that just can't happen. And again, if Russell Westbrook just plays better, I know LeBron's stat line is what it is. And maybe he hurt rhythm. Maybe he didn't get the ball enough in moments. Maybe he was rushing his shot when he got it. I don't know. I did not watch the game. But 5 of 17, just not going to cut it when, when AD is out. It's just not going to cut it unless everything goes well. Austin Reeves, 1 of 5, a rare loss with him tonight. Lakers do pretty well with him usually. Carmelo, 14 points and 7 boards, 6 of 12 from the field. So he was efficient. Taylor Horton Tucker, as I already said, 20 points on 9 of 14. But you're going to need more from Westbrook. And you're just going to need more overall. You know, I saw what LeBron said after the game. He looked pissed. They asked him, how does Westbrook feel about not even being in the game late? He wasn't even in the game late. So Vogel really disciplined him, and it still didn't work. And LeBron was like, do you know Russ? Well, then you should probably expect that he's disappointed. And he said, you know, I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to go have movies. I'll go to the movies with my wife. So LeBron looks a little flustered right now. He's angry. He's frustrated. Um, is he doing everything he can? No, uh, because I think that would take him – killing the offensive stats a little bit and playing harder defense, maybe guarding better players because he's still capable of doing it and they just don't have any other stoppers. And just being a, a guy that goes to the block on defense every time and, and half-ass rotates sometimes. And, and Vogel said it best. He said they got killed on the glass. And when you go on a rebound, you got to put a body on someone. You know, they were forty out-rebounded 48-40 to 40 tonight. And the Lakers, you know, a lot of times, one of the guys that's fur- furthest down deep is LeBron. He's got to put a body on guys. And, you know, he did get 12 rebounds, though, LeBron. So maybe it's not not him. Maybe it's everyone else. So as I said, again, I'm not going to judge off not watching it, but I'm not going to – I also don't buy the whole LeBron's doing everything he can stuff. I think that he is not sacrificed, just like Lake Show has said. But at the same time, Russ needs to be better. Russ needs to sacrifice. But anyway – that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or diamond donation for your boy to do some big things going forward. You know, this is the year where I think we're going to be able to get uh, pro players, former pro players on this show and really take it to another level. Uh, I, I got a couple episodes coming up talking history. One, obviously, as I said, the Knicks episode with Fabian. First uh, first part of it coming out tomorrow on the, on the Knicks, on the Mellow Era Knicks. And then uh, Time Machine, more episodes will be coming soon. But also... I am going to have some guests on soon, some real historians that really know the old NBA really well and are going to help with the eras that we are on for the timeline. So for if you want more context, I'm going to have some great guests coming on soon that we're going to talk with very soon that I'll introduce. But until then, I will see you guys probably in two days' time, probably on Friday. There are no games tomorrow, so I won't be live. But I will be posting my first part on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube of what went wrong with the Mellow Era Knicks Part 1, The Background. Thanks so much and peace. Now we go to the live subscribers where you know so patiently in the chat.